0: Good morning, family. I see that the youth got excited about camp. I don't blame you. That's going to be a great time. We are um, looking forward to this season in the church, and I think uh, starting to see so many people got the the virus in uh, such a short time here, and uh, now we're getting over it. Right? Are we getting over it? Yeah. And we're coming back. And uh grateful for that. Well, today we're gonna to talk about kill something, take off something, and put on something. And uh if you wonder where we're going, we're in the third third chapter of the book of Colossians, as we've been walking through this section and uh those are the directives in this portion of Scripture as we're looking at it. And so can we, can we pray and ask for the Lord's uh, help as we study together? Heavenly Father, um, we just come to you with grateful hearts that we can open your word. What a privilege it is that we can hear from God. And so, Lord, we open your word with expectation because your word is powerful. It's alive. It, uh, it does transforming work in our life. And we, Lord, are ready to receive its penetrating work into our heart. We ask, God, that you would uh, help us not only to receive with understanding, but I ask that you would help me as I communicate it as well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, last week, it seems like last week was like th- months ago. I don't know why, it just seemed like a long time ago. And we're, but we're, um, we, we talked about, uh, it's in the first four verses, he says that we need to keep our heads, we need to keep them above the clouds. We said, you know, it, it actually needs to be in heavenly places with Christ. And if you remember, it, we talked about this position that we have in Christ, that we have been raised with him. And because, you know, because of our union with God through the Holy Spirit, we died with him, we were buried, and we conquered death, and we were raised with him. And, he's, and we need to keep our focus on him who sits at the right hand of the Father, and that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. And uh, and so as we're we're identifying with Christ in that way, he tells us really how this is about how to live our lives. This is about how to this this portion here is not about. Um, this isn't written to people who are not saved as a whole. I mean, I'm sure there are people be listening to the. The, this uh, you know letter as it was uh, read in the the churches, but it would not have been directed toward unbelievers. It's directed toward believers, and because it's directed toward believers, um, it, it, it's in that context you have to understand what he's speaking about. And and too. and and the the gist of it is that listen, when you know who you are, then. You'll live like you're supposed to live. That, that the action of life, I mean, all of us are affected by two major things that determine the action in our life. One is the things we value and, and we truly value. And we would say this, that if you truly value something, then you live in, in accordance to that value. If you say you value something, but you don't live in accordance with that value, it might really be that that value is something you would like to value, but you really don't value it because you don't live in accordance to that value. The, the other thing that is key to living out our life in, in action, the way we live our life, is who and how we s- see ourselves. When you see yourself a certain way, then you live in accordance with how you see yourself. If you see yourself as a person that's bound in different ways, then you'll live according to that what you see yourself as being in your life. And uh, I remember um, my dad sitting me down one time when I was not behaving properly and uh, <coughs> and he said to me cuz th- this was a saying my mom would always have it was this cuz you do something so well everybody's doing that and and of course you heard this one if they all walk off a cliff you'll follow that that was yeah and I said yeah I probably would um but the 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 point was that that they were, you know, they, they were saying, you, you don't just do something because others. And, and my dad would, I remember sitting me down one time, and he said, you're a Dana, and you need to act like a Dana. Now, I didn't know all that that meant, but I know that it wasn't what I was doing, you know, and, and that my identity as a Dana meant that I was supposed to live differently. And, th- and that's what God is saying to us. In this portion of scripture, what you'll hear come out loud and clear is God is saying, "You're mine." You know, you're a you're a Christian. You're a follower follower of me. Then act like it. Start acting like who you are. And so, let's uh, jump in in verse five. He says, "Therefore, and of course." That means this is because of what we just talked about. We're, we've been crucified with Christ. We, you know, we, we've died with Him, we've raised with Him, we're seated in heavenly places with Him, we're united with Him. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Now, put to death here. He's saying, put to death the things in our life that are contrary to our identity. Therefore, because of that then put to death the things that are contrary to our identity with Jesus Christ. Put to death means to fully exterminate. I mean, he uses a pretty strong word, right? I mean, that's pretty strong. When he's saying put, it, put to death, he's saying you need to exterminate these things that are contrary to who you are. And, 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 you know, consider them. Put, put to death in the sense of denying these things and considering them dead to us. And, and, uh, and we need to be living our life in such a way that we are dead to these things that are contrary to what it means to be a follower of Christ. See, because now you are different because of who you are because of who he is, and because of the identity that you have with him. Now, he, he picks two basic categories that he uses as an illustration. I, and, and they're not the only ones, but it's obviously, when he's saying put to death, these two are the ones that seem to, I think, seem to cause the most trouble, it, not only in Christian life, but in life in general, these these things that are contrary to the way God lives and the first one has to do with actually the first part of this has to do with four categories in the same category and that has to do with your sexual re- relationships and how that is to operate in your life and uh, and so th- this is th- what what God is saying is here, here it's and you've heard this, some of you, that God actually does care who you sleep with. It, it, it's, it, that is not just uh, for open interpretation. God actually cares who you sleep with, and it's very important that you live out your life like, you were, like God sees you to be. You're a Christian, so now you live differently than the world lives. And so he starts off with fornication. He says fornication... Um, which, by the way, the word fornication, which isn 't often used nowadays, but it means it's translated sexual immorality, and it refu- refers to sex outside of marriage, sex outside of marriage. Now, that would probably look even different in our culture today because you know uh, marriage has been so broadly defined. It's not defined that way in the scriptures. That is as broadly defined today. Marriage uh, in the scriptures is between one man and one woman. That's that's the biblical definition. So it's it's, it's any uh, sexual uh, relationship, se- sexual uh, immorality, um, intercourse outside of marriage. And then the next word is uncleanness, and it is also in this category. And it, it's the misuse of sex, which is outside of God's um, c- category, and then passion, which is lust. And this falls under, you You think of what Jesus talked about when he said, you know, it said that you shall not commit adultery, and Jesus went further and said, even if you lust after a woman or lust after a man in, in a woman's case, if you lust. Then you're committing adultery in your heart. That it's already it's a heart issue. It goes much deeper than just the physical action. It's the action of the heart as well. And it and uh, and so and, and then evil desires. And listen, I, I think he chooses this category um, of the, you know of so many that he could because of the incredible devastation that. This category of sexual immorality or sex outside of god's um, god's uh, directive is incredibly destructive in our world, incredibly destructive and all of us have been touched by it in one way or another and the the breakdown of the family can be oftentimes directly related to this Element not being uh, the, the norm in our culture, and and to, to you know, quite frankly, much of our culture today has been pushing for a very long time, I and mean, because it is the, the way of the world, much of our culture in America, the transformation that has happened in our culture in America in this ca- in this area has been promoted at you know at at record speeds. In every in every dimension of our society nowadays, and and the redefinition of it, um, the the first redefinition of sexual relationship happened when people started to, when when the redefinition of, of uh, sexual relationship was it's only physical, it's just another next step behind you know uh, uh, beyond holy hands and that it, there's no spiritual connection to it. And that is totally contrary to the Word of God. In fact, there's more to sexual relationship than a physical act that brings pleasure. And because of that breakdown and break the break of um, humans, the soul, happens when When all is kind of put into that category and we become more directed by passions than um, than by what God has put before us and true love, which is the category that under God's order of things, it really is in the category of true love. Look at what Jesus said uh, about this in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4. He answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. I don't see, you know, any other category in there than male and female. And that, where, where did the, all of this other come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from, from an, a hope of redefining sexual relationship so that there's no boundaries and there's always been that there's always been an attempt to push it beyond boundaries you know the sexual revolution that my generation kind of promoted was not a revolution it was not something new it was it was it was an attempt to go back to generations that were absent from absent of god and to to redefine relationships as a whole. I'm, and, and the teardown of the family today is really simply a byproduct of this kind of uh, free-for-all in our thinking of sexual relationship. And in fact, uh, you, you know, we're <coughs> we, we are honoring um, the devastation of so many millions of lives that have been taken because of abortion and uh and and really kind of a time for us to focus in prayer as the supreme court is looking at this right now and deciding if uh if this will go back to the states and the states can do something about limiting abortion in uh, in our country, and the, the the millions of life, what is that? Why why is there such a fervency on one side to fight at you know, at every level to keep abortion legal? It's it's sexual relationships without any consequences is the whole point. That that people want to be able to. Do this without anything that attached. So even to the point that you can kill the child so that you can continue to have the relationship that is, or not even relationship, I don't, want to, don't even have to use, just the act at, at any point that you know you, your passion will, will want. Well, the devastation not only of unborn children, but it's more than that. It really is the devastation of relationships. People are having such a hard time finding healthy relationships. Marriage. You know, people are giving longer times. The, 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 the divorce rate is past 50% now. And, and breakups are, and, and unhealthy relationships are just rampant. And in much of the cases, and in fact, so many are as direct result of this mindset that is here that that pa- Paul is talking about because this mindset brings break, uh, de- devastation and break br- um, and and uh, and well confusion. <laughs> I just had one <clears throat> confusion in, in in healthy relationships and oftentimes the inability to have real intimacy because that part of someone's life has been broken. Now, it isn't that Jesus can't heal, and we'll see that, um, but the point is that, that this is something that the Scripture says, listen, if you're a Christian, you don't want that. You don't want that. You, I, I think... As the world more and more gets further from God's values, the way it is is there's more and more brokenness. And you see that in so many people's lives, the brokenness that comes from not aligning themselves with God's principles in life. But that means all the more. That the, that the church cannot or believers cannot follow the way of the world or cannot justify it that, you know, well, I'm at least not that bad. You know, the, 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 if the norm is way over here, then if I just cross the line a little bit, at least I'm not as bad as the world. And and the problem with that is that we, The closer we get to the world, the less less that the world will want anything to do with us. What makes us attractive is the life that God gives us when we align ourselves with his principles. That's what makes us attractive to a, a person who's been broken that they see what God does in a life that says, I'm going to obey God wholeheartedly and fully in my life. And as, as I'm living, in a, in, and it's not, it's not uh, I'm better than, or it's not, a, it's not an arrogant place. It's just a place of living with Jesus and being blessed in living out that life in a better way that is attractive to the world. But when the church is like the world, well, why do they want what they already have? Right? And so he, he, he presses in on this. Listen, what, what's, what's, what do you do with it? You kill it. You kill it. Jesus made an interesting statement. He said, if your hand offend you, Cut it off. If your feet offend you, cut them off. Ooh. Uh, Ow. When do we start doing that? Well, we don't, obviously, right? I mean, how how do we know? Well, when when you hear that, you go, okay, who was the first disciple that cut off his hand? And nobody did it not only that they didn't really teach other people to do it. So they understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus was trying to get something really strongly across. You do whatever it takes. Don't cut off your hands. Okay. You do but you you go to the extreme if there are these things that are offending your life. See, if these things are are breaking these things are if you're living out things in uh, you know, if you have a pattern in your life or you're living out sin in your life, you do whatever it takes to get free from it. So it does not have rulership over your life. So he says, put it to death. Don't take it lightly. You have a bondage in your life, get it out of your life. You know, if, you have, if, if this is an area that you struggle in in your life, you know when he when he talks about the lust and so forth that's you know that's dealing with pornography and all of that that is so rampant in our culture and things have changed when i was young if you if you wanted to get into that world you had to go find it today it finds you and you have to be fully aware and you have to live uh, your life in full submission to the holy spirit and the help of god to walk in, in, in that way, and push that out of your life, and you can. But if you struggle, well, you need to find a good friend that you can trust, a believer, and you need to talk to them. You need to get help. You need to, you need to go down the road, whatever it is, whatever it takes, to get free. Because that's not who you are. See, that's the point. You're not that person anymore. The, the, the second thing he 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 deals with in this one portion is is covetousness it's it's materialism it's uh, it, it's uh, it's the whole of of monetary and money and those kinds of things that that become a master that jesus said you can 't serve you can 't serve you know Mammon and and God at the same time you can only serve one or the other you cannot serve both and and it's interesting how he defines it. He calls it. He says, "Covetousness, which is idolatry." So, covetousness is idolatry. It's worship of false god. You are, you are worshiping the god of money. Saying when you when you're covetous, you are now in the realm of false worship. Because here's the other thing, all the, as as. You know, immorality, sexual immorality, has brought devastation in the world all around us. So has covetousness. So h- how many, how many, how much corruption the love of money brings into our world? I and mean, we all face—we've all ha- faced the consequences of some of that in our in our culture, in the political world that affects us all. You know, in the way that interaction of people walking through things like like that and you know I mean I've I've sat with people who have and, and this happened and I'm reminded of it at this point only because we have uh I've been so grateful as I'm uh working with my brothers right now and you know when sometimes that's when, when uh, you know, the, the family member and there's an inheritance that people, you know, are having to work out, that's a point in which there oftentimes becomes division. And I've talked with, over the years, council people that were devastated because in the family it all split apart. It seemed like they were strong and it all sp- split apart simply because of covetousness. You know, Jesus dealt with that. Some brothers that came complaining and, uh, uh, about that, and uh, and Jesus confronted their covetousness. The reason you're having such conflict is because you're coveting, and you're, you're you're walking in you know this love of money that is tearing you down. Well, it's all rampant, and but it's in our life as well. And when we live that out instead of the generosity that we have in Christ, which only comes from being satisfied in him. You know, the, the, the scripture tells us, to that, that we need to be, you know, when we, if we have what we need, we need to be satisfied. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't bless and there can be abundance and all of that can happen, but the point is that if you're not satisfied with what God has given you, then you, you are uh, vulnerable to be taken over by this kind of idolatry in your life. And you're, you're beyond that. That's the point. You're, you're more than that. D- don't you really believe that you'll be walking on streets of gold? That that there, 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 there's, there's unlimited, everything the Father has is ours. We can't imagine, we can't imagine. I uh, read about a, an asteroid, a, a, a huge asteroid that uh, scientists believe is made up of uh, such minerals that the asteroid itself, if it was to be able to ta- be taken, um, is worth more than all the wealth of all the nations in the world. So I guess the gold and the diamonds and all that would be part of that and the rare, rare metals in that asteroid is worth then. And they're trying to find a way to get there. And you can imagine, I can see that, right? They, they actually are planning to send a, a, a ship out and try to see if they can land on the thing and get some of that stuff. That's just one asteroid. And God says, you, you get everything. There's not anything you don't get. It's all yours, you see. So why are we piddling around with things on earth like the way we do in such a devastating way that doesn't bring glory to God in what we do and without the the ability to be truly generous in our life simply because we're trying to get a little bit more, a little bit more. Is not what we need. It's more of him we need. Verse 6 says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. He says, do you realize that when God pours out his wrath, do you understand that it's these things that his wrath is coming? And, And why would you be playing with the stuff that's bringing God's wrath on the earth? Are you not a a son or daughter? Notice it says this. The wrath of God is coming upon who? The sons of disobedience. You're not a son. This is it. You're not a son or daughter of disobedience. That's not who you are. That's the point. Look look at verse 7. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. He's saying, "Listen, before you, the 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 church is filled with people that used to live like this." He says, "But that's not you." So the question is, and this brings out this brings out the core of this teach of what he's trying to bring. The question is, then why is he telling them to do this if they're not those people anymore? because some of them are still acting like they are those children of disobedience and he's telling them you're not, so stop acting like it. Start acting like a child of God. Start acting like who you are. There'd be no reason for him to bring this up to believers saying that this is what you used to be if there wasn't still some action being taken in their lives that is living like the world. And it's, and it's the most of, of all the things that keeps the church from its full potential, or I should say, take it down even further, of all the things that keeps an individual from their full potential in Christ is that we allow these things to remain in our life. And I'm not advocating perfection. Actually, I should. Let's advocate perfection, knowing we'll never get there until Jesus comes. But, but we shouldn't, that, that doesn't mean when, when we say, listen, none of us are perfect, that that means we should give in to any of it. Actually, He's given us victory over all of it in our life. Look at verse 8, it says, But now you yourselves are to. Put on, so you're to put to death something, but now you're supposed to, you know, put, and, and, you're, and you're supposed to put off something. And now he says, I want you to put off all these things. And he adds anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Any of those, you find any of those in your life? Anger, wrath, malice, trying to get back at people, Blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. God wants to clean us up, and so He says what to do. You need to put it off. You know, it's kind of you got you got some coats on you shouldn't be wearing. You got some you got some clothes that needs to be put in the trash. I don't know if you should tell the story, but when our kids are so there, there were times when um no don't tell them don't tell them i am kind of stuck now i i won't tell who but they there were times when our our daughters um got some clothes and i don't remember how they got them but they were clothes that we were not um happy with and and sometimes they would we'd just say no you're not going out in that and they and you know they, we we got some good but then there were times we got pushback and somehow somehow it's hard to know how it happened but those clothes disappeared <laughs> say mom mom where's my I, I can't find my skirt oh that's too bad There's some clothes you have to you have to put off, right? I think even physically, right? There's some clothes some of us need to put off. And there's clothes that we need to put on, but the clothes here that he's talking about, these things, look at those. See if there's any in that category that you can identify with. Now he would say. You need to put those off. Why? Because that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're not not a wrathful, angry person. You're a child of God. You're not malicious or or, or you're not blasphemous or or you're not filthy. You're not a person who speaks filthy. It's not you. Don't you get that twinge? I used to use the Lord's name in vain a lot. I became a Christian. You know what? No one had to tell me, Rick, stop using the Lord's name in vain. You know what I got? Ooh. I, I, you know, it'd come out, oh. Like, oh, there's something right. That can't, can't do that. There's other things I ignored, though, for a while. But that's not who you are. Jesus clean us up. He's helping us. Get it out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. Now putting on, he talks more about. Okay, He wants us to kill something. He wants us to put off something. But then three times in this text he says put on something. I want you to put this on because you know what? If you put on the stuff... Oftentimes, when you to put something off, you got on. You got to take something off. It's kind of like if if you have a a how do you get rid of a bottle filled with air? How do you get rid of air? You fill it up with water, right? You don't try to suck it out. You don't need some you know special gadget to get the air out of the bottle. You just fill it up with water, and the air's gone. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You get filled up. You put some things on, and you, as you put things on, other things go. So he says here, look at, he tells you, I want you to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So God wants you to put, you, you are a new person, put on the new person. Right? You get up, put on the new, I'm a new person now. I'm gonna act like the person that I am in Jesus. I put on that person. He says, where there, there, is, um, uh, Greek, where there, is, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, put. but Christ is all and in all. We're not divided. We're not divided. We're, there, there, there is a group. And and there are actually just two groups in the world. There are those who are in the kingdom and those who are out. That's all. Right? And the people in the kingdom love the people who are not in the kingdom. That's how it works. Any other, we we just group, this is our culture right now. It's to divide. It's a divisive thing where everything is all in groups. I'm Italian. And there are Italians I would not want to identify with. That does not make you. Know, you are going to put all Italians in the same category? I mean, there are some pretty raunchy Mussolini types in the world, and there are some great men of uh, and women of God too. What? What do you? What do we do this? I'll tell you what. It's not of God. And this is what God says, listen, look at this. This is Greek, Jew. That would be the the, um, social division that would be there in that day. You know, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Uh-uh. He says, no, uh uh-uh. There isn't that. Not Not in the body of Christ. See, but Christ is all in all. That's what makes the difference. And therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, now he's telling you who you are. You're elected by God, God has elected you. He's elected you for his purposes. Before you were born even, God has elected you and called you and now you've been elected of God, holy and beloved. That's who you are. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. Be who you are. Loved of God, holy, holy, elect of God, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you, so you also must do, you need to live like the Lord because that's who you are, like him. So what is your excuse? Well, it's just, well, you're, you don't have an excuse. There's not an excuse. We can't have excuses. But above all these things, I love this. Okay, all these things you, you're to put on and everything, there's above. Go, go, go the next level. Lo- above that, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. See? You attach yourself to love and... Um, There's not much else you have to worry about as far as, I mean, all of these things get fixed, right? If you're really loving, if you love God and you love one, all the commandments are fulfilled in that. Love God, love one another. Then you'll do all of these things that he's talking about. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. I mean, there's a mouthful here. There's no doubt. And, and you might want to revisit this and go through them and look at them and, and look at your own life and say, am I, in fact, living this out what Jesus has called me to do? And, and not approach your life based upon the passion or the things that you think you have a hard time getting over because he says this, you're, you're beyond that. I said from the beginning, there are two things. That your values that really cause direction and how you live out your life and what you actually do. And the other one is identity. And the point that he's saying here over and over again, he just wants to get this to, you know, penetrate our thick skulls. Do you realize who you are? Now start living like who you are. When my dad says, you're a Dana, start acting like it. I think Jesus would say, you're a Christian, Your family, start acting like it. No more excuses. You have some things to kill. Some people here, right now, you have some habits, you have some, you have some things in your life that you need to kill. So kill it. Destroy it. Annihilate it. Find, say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll give you a couple simple ones. First of all, find what the scripture says about the thing that you have have a bondage in. But Bible has a lot to say. You find it. Say, I don't know how to find it. Well, you can get a concordance. You can go online. You can look up what the Bible says about. Read the scriptures uh, as well. Find the solution. Get, when he says kill it, if you're going to kill something, so sometimes you have a strategy and sometimes you kill something because you just, I mean, it's, you've got to kill it. You know when that black widow comes out, Do you go, let me see, what's the best way to kill a ba- black widow? Now, some of you want to ca- capture the thing. I don't know. Maybe I just stomp it, right? I just—I mean that it's it. The, there it is. You just stomp it. So stomp it. Kill it. Annihilate it. Put on and take off. Take off the things that Jesus said because you're not—you're not, you're not that—and put on some things that the Bible says to put on, and most of all, put on love, because that's who you are. That's who you are. I think if there's one thing you need to do every day when you wake up, the first thing you need to do is you need to talk to God and you need to give him glory. You need to ask him to guide you and help you and ask him that you could glorify his name. And the other thing you need to do before you even get out of bed is remind yourself who you are in Christ. Just, just remind yourself, because the world wants to put us all in this lump, and you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not, you're not of the world. You're of the Lord. You're, you're of Christ. That's who you are. So don't let the devil t- try to tear you down for who you are. Notice this: Paul doesn't give any, not, any excuse for anyone to live differently. But he also doesn't condemn. He, he just inspires. He says, listen, why are you living like that? That's 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 just ridiculous that you would live that way when that's not you. There's so much more for you. He reminds us that the wrath of God comes against those who are disobedient. This is why the wrath of God is coming. But listen, you're not in that category. You're saved. You're redeemed. Now, if you live out that way, I mean, there still are consequences. It's not eternal judgment, but the discipline of a loving father will make sure that he helps you along the way. And you don't want that. You just want to live out your life as Jesus has given, because that's the best way to live. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're reminded today, Lord, that we're not we're not of the world. We're, we're, not, we're not those who live out our life in the kind of bondage that so many are bound to, but you've made us free. For whom Christ has made free is free indeed. Lord, we, walk, we want to walk in that freedom and we will walk in obedience as children of obedience, not as children of disobedience. And Father, I also want to pray because even though this text is really talking to believers, Lord, that there are those who would be listening either here or online at this point, and they have not said yes to you. And I want to tell you that Jesus is ready to receive you if you're ready to receive him. And by ready, I don't mean that you have to get your act together or do anything but believe. And if you'll trust Jesus right now, he'll come into your life. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll adopt you into his family. He'll help you to walk throughout your life. He'll stand with you through all the things that you'll face, and he'll help you. You just have to believe that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and conquered death. And say, Jesus, cleanse my soul. Help me to follow you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: I just sense we want to um we need to respond this morning in our time of worship. It'd be easy to just sing a quick song and dismiss, but I think God wants to do something in us and We want to respond in worship and maybe an attitude of repentance for some of us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and reveal to us the things of our hearts, God, that are not in alignment with your word, with your will. Do a work in our hearts, we pray this morning. Purify my heart, let me be as gold in precious silver. Purify my make me holy, purify my heart, cleanse me from my ready to do your will. Oh, I'm ready to do your will. Lord, I'm ready to do your will. Amen. Amen. Is that your heart's cry this morning? Mind too. God bless you, church, as you go. Be blessed. Okay, we'll see you Wednesday.